Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. My co-host is my good friend, Gil Martin. In addition to this show, I host Cheese and Packers, and Gil is the host of Lockdown NHL, and he writes for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Gil, uh exciting game in a lot of ways uh, nice breakout game for young Romeo Dobbs who was listed uh, what rookie of the week very exciting uh, of course you know now we're down Sammy Watkins which we didn't really foresee when we did our episode a week ago uh, but we knew we were probably going to be thin at wide receiver and looking at our score predictions you and I were both quite wise to take the under on that uh, (laughs) 42 point total final score was 14 to 12 proud to say I picked the correct winner Um, (laughs) but we were darn close Uh, 17 13 Packers was my score Uh, 17 14 Buccaneers was your score and I I also think the uh, funny thing is if you look at it um, I had said before I changed my uh, prediction uh, at the end and, and gave the Packers an extra touchdown for sticking with the run, which did work quite well in the first half, I had said 10-13. And 10-13, 14-12, darn close. This game was, I mean, it came down to the wire. It was low scoring. It was a defensive slugfest all day long. But really, it it should have been 21-12. Had the Packers done a better job of taking care of the ball and I will say, you know, if you uh, leave out the Mark Sanchez butt fumble all those years <laughs> ago, I think that that Aaron Jones fumble at the goal line was the worst fumble I've ever seen in my life because it wasn't punched out or anything. Uh, he didn't just, you know, lose track of the ball. He wasn't expecting to get hit from behind and flung his arms wide open and just dropped the ball, uh, you know, trying trying to save himself as he was falling down. That was the worst fumble I've ever seen um, from from any Packer. Really hard to watch, but uh, 21-12 or 21-14 or, or, you know, whatever. If there had been 21 points scored in that first half and then zero in the second half, I think you feel a little bit different about this win. But ultimately, I think anytime you can get a win over Tom Brady and a win over one of the top NFC contenders, especially mm-hmm. this early in the year, you should feel darn good about yourself, no matter how uh, many guys were missing from Tampa's side of the ball. How did you feel about this game? Uh, you had an interesting uh, scenario on your end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Sunday night started uh, the Jewish holidays, and I kind of had, I watched the first series of the second half, the Packers 
punted and then I had to go to services and I basically was unable to watch the rest of the game live, but did eventually watch the uh, replay, the all 22 and uh, found out when the holiday ended uh, on Tuesday night that the Packers had indeed won and then got to watch the game. So uh, it was a strange experience, but uh, you know, having to cut off in mid game, but very pleased and relieved that the Packers pulled off the win. Yeah. Um, I, in the first half, I was super, super encouraged by the offense. I thought the play calling was super creative. Um, it was nice having Bakhtiari back out there. I think he was one of our better offensive linemen for the day. Uh, I thought Yash struggled a bit, um, but there were certainly a couple of series where he really held up quite well, and you didn't notice a huge drop from Bakhtiari to Yash when they were doing that uh, alternating series uh, strategy out there. Um, still feel like Elton is getting off to a really slow start coming back from his injury. Um, he didn't, it does not look like Elton yet, but I'm, I'm still willing to be patient with him, continue to give him time. Um, the rest of the offensive line, I think our three interior guys were kind of horrible <laughs> basically the whole day. And I'm getting to be very nervous about our offensive line. I think, I think right now, it's very hard to call this a good offensive line. Uh, they are, uh, seems like every other week they're alternating whether they are uh, competent in pass pro and straight up incompetent in uh, run blocking. And the next week they are, you know, good, not great in run blocking and, and abysmal in pass pro. They're kind of trading that back and forth. And the result is maybe a, a product of, the fact that we continue to shuffle guys around and haven't let these guys can, you know, spend enough time uh, working next to each other to, to build that uh, familiarity and, and teamwork. There's one play in particular where uh, Royce went to pass a guy off to Elton Jenkins and Jenkins just wasn't ready. And Royce was like, well, too bad. Here he is. Um, Cause I, I got to go, you know, uh, take care of my second assignment and get to the next level. And it, you know, just a, it, there's just a lot that's clunky and not working, but on the whole, I was really impressed with the offense. The first half, uh, Romeo Dobbs looked great. Uh, Randall Cobb was freaking fantastic. Uh, I think Alan Lazard still seems like he's coming back a little slowly as well. Uh, Tunyon coming back a little slow. The running backs did not look like, like they have in the first two weeks, uh, you know, week one and two, both, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones have been just totally phenomenal. And this game, I thought Jones was a little bit subpar and I thought Dillon was flat out. Ugh. So, <laughs> uh, you know, yes, the Tampa D line is really formidable and they kind of have the number of our offensive line, but still the, the ultimate result I was not quite good enough and they're going to have to do better this week against the Patriots who are also pretty good in the trenches. Um, but I'm, I'm feeling really optimistic about this game. Um, and, and I'm, I'm also pleased with last week's performance that we got the win and it was a team win. You, you didn't feel like it was just the defense pulling their weight. The offense, at least in the first half, uh, did their job as well. Yeah, they did. And I want to give a shout out to the coaching staff and to Matt LaFleur and Adam Stenovich uh, and, and to Butkus. The idea of rotating Bakhtiari and Yash 
series by series, I think was a great idea. And I, I wrote about this in, in on Cheesehead TV uh, this week. Just the idea, you, you're going up against a very formidable uh, defensive line and linebacker group, as you mentioned. You're on the road on a very hot, humid day. Bakhtiari is playing his first meaningful, what has he played, half of a, of, of a game in a year and a half, two years almost. Pretty much. To, to have him alternate series, it gave the Packers an emotional boost. It kept Yash involved in the game and and kept his spirits up. And I think it just, you know, there was a certain amount of gradualness for Bakhtiari to come back physically, mentally, and uh, prevented a little bit more of the fatigue factor. So I think that was a very smart move by the coaching staff, even though I know there was some talk that neither Aaron Rodgers nor Bakhtiari were thrilled with that decision, but I think it was the right decision, and I think it worked out pretty well. Some more kudos. Uh, The defense learned to tackle this week. I was furious last week. I ranted to anybody who would listen about how this defense does not have what it takes because they can't tackle worth a darn. And, and that's huge, you know, and it, and it was like the biggest thing that made them a special defense at all a year ago was their ability to tackle this week. The only guy who had any issues tackling was Devondre Campbell. Everybody else was fantastic in, in tackling. And one of the products that you saw from that was fantastic run defense. Uh, they limited uh Fournette to, I think 2.7 yards per carry he had like 35 yards on the entire day completely a non-factor and uh you know I've, I've been in the record for a long time saying i don't think fournette is a good running back but he has certainly been much more productive than uh 2.7 yards a pop um in the, in the time uh that he's been with the, with the buccaneers so really excited about that we should turn our attention to the new england patriots but first gill a word from our sponsors in your melodious baritone voice. (laughs) Well, thank you. Uh, Before we continue, I want to tell you about our new partner, Athletic Greens. We were recently introduced to their new health supplement, AG1. Well, what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All these things. And it's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. And it costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash emerging. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. 
Let's start with the injury report. Some bad news. Jair Alexander limited on Wednesday, did not participate on Thursday. You're going to be listening to this Friday or Saturday. You tell us um, through the, uh, the the speaker in your car or your phone or whatever. Did he practice Friday? We don't know yet. Um, David Bakhtiari, exact same uh, issue there. Uh, and then Caleb Jones has an illness. Mercedes Lewis got his veteran rest day. But Jair Alexander um, not practicing. He's, he's got that groin injury he sustained. At this point, Gil, give me your, your percentage prediction. Do you think he suits up for this game? Uh, I would say it's probably around a 30% chance he plays. 30% chance he plays. I'd give it about the same odds myself. I think that's a pretty good, um, pretty good prediction. Uh, let's see. Bakhtiari, I think he probably plays. And if he doesn't play, it's going to be very annoying because everybody, including me, are all going to come out and say, man, you know, did he have a setback? Blah, blah, blah. We don't know. And the Packers are obviously always um, ever transparent with stuff like this. We, we never have to wonder what's going on there. Nope, we always know. <laughs> Elton Jenkins did not practice Wednesday. He was upgraded to limited Thursday. I think we get one of these two guys. That's that's my feeling at the moment. Uh, Alan Lazard continues to be limited with an ankle injury. Still think he's going to play. Not that nervous. And then Christian Watson uh, of course, he was not able to play against the Bucks. He was limited on Wednesday, but upgraded to full participation on Thursday. It'd be nice to get him back, stretch yeah. this defense out. And I think he's interested in going out there and competing with um, Romeo Dobbs, our, our rookie of the week, to try and get some touches himself. Yeah, it's a nice little friendly competition. I like it. And uh, obviously, you know, Christian Watson, we, we talked during the offseason that Christian Watson may take a little longer to get into the groove. Obviously the mm -hmm. injuries he suffered in training camp. And now again, early in the season, probably even made that process a little bit longer, but you know, getting him eager to be out there and to match up with Romeo Dobbs, accomplishments is a good thing. Yeah. Let's uh, let's start with the Patriots defense, because that's where you always have to start with them. And uh, they, that's their full strength side of the ball right now. Anyways, here's the biggest thing with the Patriots. Bill Belichick for basically forever has always insisted on. He will take away your number one option, no matter what. So if you want to throw to Devonte, he's going to quadruple cover Devonte. If you want to run the ball, he's going to stack the box. He's going to force you to go to plan B. Every time. Having said that, we're probably going to have to pass a lot in this game. <laughs> it's probably going to load up to stop Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Uh, do you agree with that assessment? Yes. I, I think that is, if I were Bill Belichick, that's what I would be doing. Unless he still considers Aaron Rodgers to be the most dangerous weapon on this team. I would be surprised just given uh, that, uh, you know, they're kind of, the the narrative out there for from everybody is that he has no one to throw to. Uh, if you look at the Patriots D line, uh, Diedrich Wise and Matthew Judon are the uh, top two guys there on the edge. Of course, they got Christian Barmore, an Alabama boy that I really liked in the draft. What was that? Uh, Twenty one, I think was was when yeah. he was in the draft. I liked him a lot. Me too. Uh, they also have Lawrence Guy and um, uh, Devon. 
Godshow. I don't. I think that's how you say his name. I've never heard anybody say his name out loud. Those three guys on the interior have been struggling, uh, but they're going to get some support from linebacker Jawan Bentley, who has been doing a pretty decent job uh, overall. So far this year, nobody on the D-line has been able to be super effective against the run. Uh, on let's see, uh, on the whole team, they are averaging out. Their run defense is a 57.6. Sorry, no, that's their total defense. They're uh, 54.8. And basically everywhere uh, along the defense, they do a decently good enough job uh, in terms of uh, getting pressure, tackling, uh, that actually that that bad run defense grade and and also a suspect coverage grade bring them down a bit to that 57 overall. Uh, the 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 uh, Packers, I really felt struggled against the Buccaneers to run the ball, but we saw them run with ease on the Vikings and the Bears. So um, I think that this is a defensive line that you can run on. The question is going to be if Belichick has them uh, prepare and play a little bit differently this year to just really excuse me to really just tee off on those running backs and. Um, devote all their resources, especially with bringing safeties and uh, linebackers in to seal off um, any uh, lanes at all that that could cause problems. Yeah, it could, but here, here's the thing. And I think it's a, it's a issue that has been problematic for the Packers over the course of the Matt LaFleur era, but I'm going to give credit to LaFleur for his game plan of a week ago. Too often we've seen this team get away from the run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and last week, even though they weren't gaining a lot of yards, they still ran the ball 25 times between Dylan yep. and Jones. And that's what they need to do. Even if the run is not gaining them, you know, the chunk plays that they got against the Bears, where it seemed like uh, Aaron Jones was in the secondary every other carry. Uh, even if you're just getting two, three yards at a, at, at a clip, keep running the football. It sets up the play action pass. It keeps the defense off balance and honest. And I, I think that that is uh, something that is a key to this game. If the Patriots are going to try to stop the run, that's fine. Let them uh, devote their resources to that. And Rogers should be that much more effective when he does pass and the play action and the jet motion should set up some good offensive plays for the Packers. The Patriots are allowing 4.8 yards per carry, but they've only allowed one rushing touchdown. Um, That would make sense for me uh, for this week. You know, if we are effectively running the ball and and the defense is really trying to trying to tighten up and shut that down, that then, you know, you don't actually get all the way down to the end zone with your running game and Rogers takes a shot at it uh, to one of his, one of his receivers. I think you could find some, some success there. I think he can as well. And, you know, one thing I'm going to be watching in this game that, and, and it may not be fully apparent until we, you get to watch the coaches film next week. But the chess match between Bill Belichick, who is one of the greatest defensive minds in the history of the National Football League, against Aaron Rodgers, who is one of the better 
quarterbacks at reading defenses and changing plays at the line of scrimmage. That matchup throughout this game is going to be fascinating to watch. The Patriots in uh, passing defense, since we're talking about Rodgers, they have allowed six touchdowns through the air, and they have two interceptions. One of those came from Jonathan Jones, who actually ranks number one. He's the highest graded corner in football through the first three games of the season. Opposite him, though, Jalen Mills couldn't be more different. Uh, Jalen Mills ranks 101 out of 103 cornerbacks. So you got the number one and the number 101 out of 103. Uh, and then if you look at the safeties as well, this is uh, one of the areas where uh, Belichick's defense usually is pretty good as these safeties. Well, uh, McCourty, Devin McCourty, having so far his worst year ever, at least the slowest start in his career, um, coming off of uh, back-to-back kind of underwhelming seasons. Maybe he has lost a step. I mean, the dude has been in the league for 12 years now, mm-hmm. um, and his brother's already retired. Uh, the other safety that they have there, Adrian Phillips, uh, he had basically one good year, 2019. Outside of that, he's kind of just only ever been about a Darnell Savage level safety. Uh, you know, just a guy you've always been waiting for him to break out, and he just never has. And so far, he's off to a pretty slow start as well. This secondary, as long as uh, it's not Jonathan Jones, this is a secondary you can really pick on. So I think, you know, whoever they match up Jones on, uh, probably just going to be erased from the field, and everybody else should feast. Uh, this is my thinking. But we have to rel- we have to get um, good protection from our offensive line, better protection than we've gotten the first three weeks when Rodgers has been under basically constant assault, and we have not had time to let those passing plays develop at all. No, we, we haven't. And I, I think Rodgers, if Christian Watson is back, that'll help stretch the field a little bit, even if they just attempt a couple of long passes in his direction. I, I think that'll be a plus. And I think that if Rodgers has time to throw the football, and that's going to be a big key. And again, I go back to keep running the ball, even if it's not producing chunk plays right away to get those play action passes working. But yeah, if Rodgers has time, he should be able to find an open receiver on most plays, depending on the matchups. And Matt LaFleur has to keep on scheming players open, whether it's Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon or Tunyon or one of the wide receivers. Somebody has to be schemed open on most of these plays. Uh, Looking at... um... The Patriots offense, we may be in for uh, some some really fortunate events here. Uh, Mac Jones has not been a fantastic quarterback so far in the NFL, but he's not going to be playing. And Bailey Zappi, a guy that you and I talked a lot about during the draft. uh, This is one of the quarterbacks I was really high on. You liked him as well. He's not going to be playing. Um, He is so far not suited up at all. And Brian Hoyer is going to be the starting uh, quarterback for the Patriots. Brian Hoyer, uh, really, really, uh, this is good news for the Packers. He's won one game, I think, since 2016. He's uh, one and, what is it, 12 here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he has uh, not won a lot of games that he, as a starter, 
in the last, you know, five or six years. And certainly the one thing that always concerned me about facing Mac Jones is sort of his elusiveness, his mobility. You're not going to have that with Brian Hoyer. I think the Packers pass rush will be able to get to him. And, uh, you know, he, he's not going to be a moving target like Mac Jones would be. Here we go. Found my notes. Okay. Since 2016, so this is his last 19 starts. The reason I went back that far is because I wanted to include at least one win for the poor guy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, 2016 was the last time he got, got a win. He's one in 18 in his last 19 starts. Now I get it. Wins are not a quarterback stat. Sometimes they're a little bit of a quarterback stat. And when you're one and 18, I think they're a bit of a quarterback stat. Interestingly, he's been with the Patriots seven years and he's only started one game for them. And he lost that game. Um, and uh, this is when uh, Cam Newton had COVID. Uh, I think Hoyer was benched halfway through that game for Jarrett Stidham. And then Jarrett Stidham uh, started one or two games after that, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so in this time span that we're looking at, he has played for the Patriots, 49ers, Colts uh, and the Bears. And he's one in 18. Here's what you need to know about Brian Hoyer. Uh, he's described as a gunslinger. The guy does like to take a lot of deep shots, which means I don't think the Patriots offense is going to be very good, but they could be very exciting and exciting when you're going up against them. Uh, also kind of means heartburn. You're, you're probably going to have a few plays that gash you kind of similar. Um, shoot. What was the name of the Jaguars quarterback? Oh, Jake Luton, Jake Luton, a couple of years ago. There's a name. Came I in, in a while came in and, and you know, the Jaguars were awful, but there were a couple of times when he did just gash the Packers defense. And you're like, what the heck is going on? There's no name. Oh man. You know, is this like the emergence of the next Tom Brady? Who's like, you know, he comes in, nobody's ever heard of him. He's like a fifth round pick. And he's, you know, this is a breakout game against us. no, uh, Brian Hoyer, uh, just likes to take a lot of, lots of deep shots. Um, he's going to do it against the Packers. I'm almost positive and I don't expect him to find a ton of success, but I think that he'll gash us a few times as such, as I'm looking at my score prediction, I have the Patriots moving the ball substantially enough down the field a few times that they are in field goal range. Um, that, and I think that'll come off of chunk plays, mm -hmm. but I don't think that they'll be actually be able to get all the way into the end zone very often. I think my, my prediction is that the Patriots are going to look really good on offense for one drive. They'll put enough together to score one touchdown and the rest of the day, they're going to be limited to field goals. That's, that's how I arrived at my, uh, final score prediction. All right. It sounds again like we're on the same wavelength. It'll be interesting to see where your numbers are. Now, remember, I wrote down my score before we started this podcast, so it'll be interesting. And I haven't seen it. No, yeah. you ha I haven't told you it. You haven't seen it, but uh, it's it's right here in ink, and, and it's going to be in my article that goes up on Friday uh, where I preview the, the six big matchups for the game. So... Yeah, it, it, we'll see if we're very close again. I get the feeling we might be. I have my my score written down as well, and it's in our Google Doc. So technically, you could you could open it up and cheat because you have access to that as well. <laughs> uh, but uh, all right. So um, 
looking at uh, at the running backs, because th- this is a question that I have, because I actually have both Packers running backs on my fantasy team. Mm. And uh, for the first two weeks, it worked well for me to start both of them because uh, both of them combined got a lot of points. Uh, neither one of, or both both weeks in the first two weeks, one of them underperformed a lot and the other really overperformed and it, it averaged out. And then in week three, neither one of them did anything in fantasy and uh, it was very disappointing. And I lost my matchup by a large amount. So how productive do you think the running backs are going to be in this game? I think based on what we saw last week, we should expect the Packers to be diligent in sticking with the run. I think they're going to get a lot of attempts, but how much success do you think they're going to find against Mm -hmm. this Patriots front seven? And also keep in mind, uh, the corners, not good run defenders, even Jonathan Jones. You know, I mentioned that he grades out number one among all cornerbacks. He has a 90.4 coverage grade and he has an 85.6 overall defensive grade, which means he's got a 45.9 run defense grade, 72nd, uh, highest run graded, uh, run defense graded corner. The safeties also are subpar. Yeah. So really is that front seven. You know, you have that statistic. They're also right now ranked 19th in the league uh, in average yards allowed per game with 114.7, which is a little below average. But then you sort of counter that with what you said earlier, that if Bill Belichick is determined to take away the running game, the thing that he feels the Packers do best, do they almost sell out against the run to try to slow down those two running backs? I think that one of the two running backs will have a very good game against this New England defense. I don't necessarily know which, but I get the feeling that Aaron Jones is more likely to have a big game than uh, A.J. Dillon. If you and I were a little bit better at our jobs, we would be able to tell the listeners whether the uh, Patriots do a better job defending against uh, uh, zone or gap runs and and that would tell us which running back we should expect to have the hot hand. I know a couple of years ago, um offensively, I think it was 2 years ago, offensively, uh the Patriots were running a lot of gap. So in my mind, you know, it, it says to me that they are good at defending gap runs. Um but also, I mean, that's a little bit of a simplistic way to look at things because they go up against every team in the league and so they got to be able to to uh, defend against both and zone running is more common in the NFL today than gap running. So, you know, which one do they, do they really focus their efforts at defending gap or zone? Hard to say, but we do know that they go up against a, uh, a, a gap running offense in practice. So maybe I would be tempted to say that Aaron Jones is going to have the hot hand this week. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I laid out for you the entirety of my knowledge of, of their specific run defense right there. So you have all that information, uh, do with it what you will there. And, uh, I'm sorry that I didn't do slightly more homework on, on their defensive line and, and which teams specifically have had more success running against them. Yeah. Well, you know, so far, you know, they faced Miami, Pittsburgh and Baltimore, some interesting, you know, teams there to go up against. And two of their three games have been on the road. This is their third of four games this season. That'll be road games for New England. Not an easy way to start for sure. Uh, 
I, I, I'm still going to stick with, uh, I think Jones will have a bigger day than Dylan in this game. All right. Uh, time to get to our final score prediction. So it's worth noting that our system works. See, I think the correct, <laughs> I picked the correct winner. And as such, I get two points and you only get one point for picking the under. So we're finally not tied anymore. I have a one point lead five to four. So the, uh, Patriots are, <laughs> the Packers are nine and a half point favorites over the Patriots. The over and under is set at 40 and a half points. First of all, Gil, are you taking the over or the under? I am going under. I'm also going under. Uh, are you, are you picking the Patriots to win? No, I am not. What? But, but come on, man. I mean, it's Brian Hoyer. He's got a shiny head. Okay. All right. Give me a score prediction. Green Bay Packers, 27. New England Patriots, 10. I hate you, man. This is every single week we get. Did you say the exact same thing? Did you say? No, but it's, I didn't, but it's very similar. It's very similar. So, so you have the Packers uh, covering. Uh, You think they're going to put up 17 more points. I have the Packers covering it as well. 24 to 13. Here's how I came to that. I think the Packers score three touchdowns and a field goal. I think the Patriots get their one lone touchdown and uh, kick two field goals in the scenario I outlined um, earlier in the episode. And I, and I still think because this is the Packers, because we know who they are, I think the first and fourth quarters are going to blow chunks. And I think uh, second and third are where they're going to put up points. I'm thinking we're either going to get 21 points in the second quarter and then a lone field goal in the third quarter, which I mean, come on. Is there a more Packers way to put those points up <laughs> or you get 14 in the, in the second quarter and 10 in the third quarter. So well, that's how not, I arrived at that. You're not going with the scripted plays, getting them some points early on. You know, that was really a 2020 thing. It, it wasn't even a 2021 oh, thing. Last so week. Think. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. All right. All right. You're right. I, I guess I was thinking about the fact that in 2020, they scored a touchdown on like every single first right. possession of the season. Yeah. All right. But, uh, you know, here, here's the other thing is that if both teams are running the ball a, a lot, again, like we saw last week, you know, possessions are going to be precious. This is something that we said, man, were we were we correct when we said that, uh, last week that possessions were precious, certainly in the first half. Um, you know, you just a ton of running the ball, uh, drain the clock out really quickly. I think you could still see a lot of that this week. Um, but I, I, I just I don't expect the Patriots to be as effective moving the ball on the ground against this Packers defense. Um, not after we saw from them last week. And I'll be disappointed if they uh, regress at all in their run defense and tackling. I think that they have kind of figured some of this out. And, and you know, Matt LaFleur talked about the grueling practice that he put them through after the Bears game. You know, and we saw a bunch of soft t- tissue injuries to a bunch of guys, including Christian Watson and Sammy Watkins, um, which LaFleur regretted. But but here's the dividends. Great tackling across the board. This you know, really, really showed up there. It was night and day from the first two weeks to week three. And the fact that everybody, I mean, the only guy who had a single missed tackle was Devondre Campbell. He had two missed tackles. Nobody else missed a tackle. And uh, uh, Fournette was getting uh, like 1.2 yards after contact yeah. on the whole day. I mean, pathetic. The, the Packers defense really tightened up and did a fantastic job. So 
hoping to see more of that this week. No, absolutely. And it was it was refreshing, especially after being so frustrated trying to tackle Fournette in the last two meetings that the Packers had with the Buccaneers when, you know, the Bucs were trying to run out the clock and Fournette kept getting the ball and you couldn't stop him. So uh, pleased that they were able to do that last week. Happy with the tackling, liking Quay uh, Walker more and more each game. He still has some learning to do, but I think he adds a dimension to this defense that we haven't seen. And also, shout out to Kenny Clark, who got his first mm-hmm. tracks last week. But boy, oh boy, he is looking not just like a pro bowler, but an all pro this year. And, you know, he was in the top six in the league in pressures coming into last week and got the two the two sacks plus some more pressures again. I will say this. The reason that I went with a slightly higher score uh, as far as the Packers go than you is I, oh, I do think. I know where you're going with this. I know where no, you're going with this. Brian Hoyer is going to turn the thing over. He's going to uh-huh. turn the ball over twice at least. And and I think that's going to be why the Packers get slightly more points and the Patriots slightly less than in your prediction. But All right, well, we're in that, the same that, ballpark. That, that is the last thing I wanted to talk about before we wrap this up. The Packers so far really have not been, the Packers offense has not been careful with the ball. Uh, Rogers has thrown two interceptions through the first three weeks. Um, and then I think we've had uh, three, I think we've had four fumbles in three games. Um, the Packers are losing the turnover battle by two so far. I would like to see them. Yes, I, I like to see the defensive turnovers, but what I really just want to see this week is zero offensive turnovers. Can we just protect the ball this week? Because they've been a little bit too sloppy there, and it has cost us uh, at least two touchdowns. And um, and then against the Bears, there was um, there was the fumble where the ball uh, just boinked Christian Watson in the booty and <laughs> went flying. And they they looked pretty good on that drive. Are they going to score a touchdown on that drive? Impossible to say, but I think a a field goal at least feels plausible. But I think, uh, you know, clearly the uh, fumble against the Buccaneers into the end zone and then um, the uh, the botched fumble or the botched handoff, I should say, that resulted in a fumble between Rodgers and Dylan in week two. That one also, those two were clearly those drives were going to end in touchdowns as long as we didn't cough the ball up. And on both of those drives, I said out loud in my living room, come on, just don't turn the ball over because we're looking great. We're looking great. Voila. It was your fault. (laughs) Maybe it is because also on uh, Rogers interception in the third quarter against the Bucks, I said out loud uh, to my family, I said that uh, I I didn't like how he was looking. Uh, He seemed like he was getting a little uh, jittery and nervous because the Buccaneers had quit blitzing. They had they blitzed him a total of 17 times in this game and he got completions on 14 of those. He was shredding them when they were blitzing. They stopped blitzing in the third quarter and they were dropping seven and only bringing four. And that right there is how you get uh, Rogers off his groove is if you can get pressure with just your front four, they were able to do that. He was Mm -hmm. looking uncomfortable and he threw that pick and I called it before it happened. I, I just you could feel it coming. And uh, I don't like I don't like it. But that sometimes you see that version of Aaron. Thankfully, uh, they were able to uh, clinch up that win and, and keep it together, uh, you know, un- until the final buzzer. But the defense was a big part of that. 
It was. And look, you you cited the fact that Rodgers has already thrown two interceptions. He threw two in the season opener last year. And what he finished with five for the entire season. So I'm not one, over- one nice thing. One nice thing, by the way, is that his interceptions so far don't seem to be the fault of receivers. It's not like deflected passes that are getting picked off. And that was something I was nervous about at the beginning of the season was, you know, how are these, uh, you know, this new group of, of unproven receivers going to contribute to, uh, to picks. And so far we haven't really seen that. No, we haven't seen the, the receiver ran the wrong route and Aaron's all ticked off and no, we haven't seen that. And here's the thing about this game. On paper, the Packers are the better team, especially with Brian Hoyer starting at quarterback for New England. So when it comes to turnovers, if the Packers are even or better, they yeah. should be in very good shape in this game. I, I like it. I think that I think that's quite accurate. One final question that I just thought of before we get out of here. Do you think this week Romeo Dobbs is wide receiver one? Uh, I'll tell you. Yes, should I, I start do. him in fantasy. Yeah, I, I think he will be wide receiver one, but I'll put a little caveat to it. He's going to be wide receiver one because Alan Lazard is still not at full strength. Mm, interesting. Who, who do you think the, the Patriots put Jonathan Jones on? Is he going to be more on Lazard or on Dobbs? Uh, I think he'll be more on Dobbs. Oh, that wasn't, wasn't what I wanted to hear. I wanted you to say that he's going to cover up Lazard, and so Dobbs is going to feast. We'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. All right, we're going to get out of here. That's it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter, at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or ask us questions. You can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Dot com.